Welcome to the show, everyone. Happy Monday. If you're listening to this a day later, happy Tuesday. If you're listening to this two days later, you're late. But welcome to the uh, Tark and Sorry Show. I am the person whose name is in the title, and today we've got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans quarterback. Big trade target early in NFL free agency. Now he is the subject of several lawsuits. 20 women have uh, sued Deshaun Watson, claiming sexual assault, unwanted advances, uh, a lot of confusion and a lot of speculation around that case. We'll get to that. Also, the Georgia voting laws are not looking too good. They might be disproportionately affecting certain people's... Sound familiar? Get your history textbooks out. It's happening again! And we'll get to the greatness of Lindsey Graham, and I say that very sarcastically. Also... U.S. soccer is embarrassing, and we'll tell you why. And I'm not talking about your kids' U.S. soccer teams. Deborah Burks is coming out and talking, doing a little tell-all that really she could have fixed up in her own time with Donald Trump early in the pandemic and more. Big show coming up today. Let's get this started. So, uh, Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans quarterback. Before this all came out, I honestly considered him to be a top five NFL quarterback. He's quite a talented individual. Had a great season with a terrible Houston Texans team. Made it clear he wanted to be traded, and up to about uh, three weeks ago, it looked like he was going to command a lot in a trade. What team was going to get him? You know, was it going to be Chicago? Was it going to be the San Francisco 49ers? Was it going to be the Carolina Panthers? Uh, well, as it turns out, probably none, because it has come out in the past couple of weeks uh, that several women have accused Deshaun Watson. According to attorney Tony Busby, who is representing 20 women who have sued the Texans quarterback. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, this has gotten really serious. It started out with one or two, and we were thinking, oh, well, okay, then he's just, you know, it's just like suits that aren't... Well, okay, the number has gotten pretty big. There's a lot of speculation right now because Deshaun Watson, if you don't know a lot about football, I'll sum this up pretty quickly. His situation in Houston is very bad. Uh, basically, the Texans management wants to keep him around. He does not want that. Texans management has been, like, to, to this point, heavily criticized for their handling of basically every situation thrown at them the last five years. And as a result, we're here. And there's a lot of speculation that these cases are coming from higher-ups in uh, from the Texans, which, if true, would be one of the most disgusting things ever. But again, that's speculation, because it could also be that Watson is behind a lot of these things, which would also be very terrible. And surprising, considering he's considered to be one of the nicest people and kindest gentlemen in the league. And this is according to reports. I've not met the guy, personally. I'm not that big yet. Sorry, not that big. Yet. Yet is the key word. Uh, the thing is... Uh, you know, they said the very similar things about O.J. Simpson. I do not want to compare Deshaun Watson to O.J. Simpson, all right? I'm just, what I'm trying to say here is surprising things can happen. 
when you're talking about certain people and what they could be guilty of, what they cannot be guilty of. Oh, I didn't expect him to do that. Maybe not. But things can be surprising. Uh, the lawyer representing all these women, whose name is Busby, Tony Busby, that's right, give him a little James Bond thing there, has a bit of a shady background. For one, he uh, represented Roger Clemens, did some interesting things uh, with that case, including going to signing events during the proceedings, before and after the proceedings, like immediately before and immediately after. Uh, also has been known to rack up some press. Uh, he lives on the same street as the Texans' owner, which is kind of getting a little bit of attention. I, I wouldn't read too much into that right now because I, I think we'd know if they were friends or not. Uh, yeah, and the other thing is, uh, as of yesterday, the Houston Police Department has said that uh, the lawyer for these women, again, Busby, has not sent any evidence about a Deshaun about Deshaun Watson to start a criminal case. Deshaun Watson's attorney, in the meantime, a gentleman by the name of Rusty Harden, has said that he has not received any evidence from this lawyer as well to start in, like to start investigations, to start looking into evidence. So there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people who think that Busby is really just throwing in. Uh, a bunch of smoke here, but uh, it's it's these are things that should be taken seriously. So a lot a lot of chatter going around and a lot of infighting between fans saying, "Well, this is serious," and others going, "This is a bluff." All kinds of things. It's a mess, and it really boiled over on Sunday when Darius Leonard, linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, a rival of the Houston Texans, who was faced off and lost to. Deshaun Watson many times, went on Twitter and said, It's crazy that people bash Watson with no evidence, but nobody wants to say anything about Chad Wheeler, who tried to kill his girlfriend. I'm just saying now, D-Watt got killed with no proof, but this guy who tried to put his girlfriend underground at ESPN or any other outlets, outlets they were quiet. Quiet emoji, basically. So, a little background here. Chad Wheeler... Uh, the ex-NFL lineman Chad Wheeler was arrested on January 23rd for a domestic abuse incident that was involved that involved a manic episode, not his first, as well as a ca catatonic Wheeler wandering back into the victim's room and casually musing that he'd expected her to already be dead. Um, this, if you have not heard about this, it's because it, Jerry Slattern's right, was not heavily reported. These kind of things tend to be disturbing and not reported, and he's pointing out that we're covering Watson a lot, especially on the big networks, and why are we? <laughs> because this is like, that he's, he's saying there's no evidence here. I can see where Leonard's coming from. I think the fact that we didn't cover Wheeler and we did cover Watson is kind of a lesson in, like, in, we can't really pick and choose. Okay, here's the thing. ESPN, I don't, I didn't want to get direct to the point here, but ESPN, to me, is not the most credible sports outlet anymore. And while I'd love to take a job for ESPN in the future, they, they just do not seem like they're at the top of their game anymore. They're not sports analysis-based. They just seem to be intent on getting ratings. And I don't know if Chad Wheeler, in their opinion, gets them ratings. Now, Deshaun Watson does because Deshaun Watson's a name. Chad Wheeler is, unfortunately, not a name, for the right reasons, that is. So, the fact is, when people keep saying that, you know, like, it's it's this, it's that, it's it, it's it, it you know what? Here's the deal. I'll end this saying this. Either way, this is very bad. Either way, if Deshaun Watson is guilty of these things, 
and the evidence is taking forever to get across. That is awful. A person that we saw as a role model in the National Football League is a monster, and that is terrible, and it is sad. But if it's the other thing, if this is all a bluff, if the Houston Texans management is behind this, that is terrible to the point where you'd consider permanent suspensions for the front office for trying to sabotage a man's career. But either way, there is no in-between. I do not see how both sides get off unscathed here. We are deep in the hole here. Deep. This is very bad. This is not how Deshaun Watson wanted it. I hope this is not how the Texans wanted it. And this is not how anybody wanted this. But this should be taken very seriously. But at the same time, I do not understand why evidence is taking so long to get across to Houston police. I hope by the next time we have a show, there's evidence that is either there or we realize there isn't any because I am frankly tired of this story popping up the news. It scares me. It makes me upset. And as a football fan, I just want answers and I want a thorough look at this and not just a bunch of pandering. So that's that. So Georgia passed a law, uh, not a very popular law. Uh, Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia, signed into law new election rules that critics say will restrict minority voters. Uh, It's not very popular with all Democrats, some Republicans. And it comes at a very interesting time, a.k.a. the time in which the Republicans lost the Georgia Senate seats and There's a lot of flack for this, and it starts from the top as uh, Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock was on CNN when he was asked about the new legislation. This is what he said. You have legislators who are running scared, and so rather than uh, having the people select uh, their uh, uh, politicians, the politicians are trying to cherry-pick their voters, this is an assault on the covenant that we have with one another as an American people, and it's my job to protect it. I mean, that's what you expect. He's very far on the left. And, of course, he's going to feel bad about this because this is, I mean, even without the political leaning, this is kind of shady. I mean, some of the things it says, I mean, new voter ID requirements on absentee ballots. It limits the use of ballot drop boxes, granting the state new powers over county elections. And it's, this is the worst part, and this keeps getting repeated, but I just find this so ridiculous. It's criminal to provide voters with food and water. You may be able to get me on fruit, on food, okay, maybe, but water, it's illegal to pass out water to people in line voting, okay? This is not all Democrats voting in Georgia, and if it was, then you would not be in office, Mr. Insert Republican name, Lindsey Graham, whatever you want to say, Brian Kemp, you know? It's just, it's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. That is absolutely just, just awful. So Fox News anchor Chris Wallace. Fast forward here to Chris Wallace, who I have a lot of respect for personally. As a moderate myself, he is a moderate on Fox News. Probably my favorite anchor on Fox News. Uh, Just above Hannity. (laughs) Okay, a lot more, more favorite than Hannity. But anyway, so... He goes on Fox News. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham goes on Fox News. And he's out there in the midst of all this. And a lot of people are tuning in because he's got a lot to explain for. And Chris Wallace sets him up 
quite a tough, tough question. All right. Well, let's take a look at some of the provisions in Georgia. Yeah. And, and these are specific ones that a lot of people are having heartburn about, Senator. It would limit the number and location of drop boxes. It allows counties Good. to cut off early voting at 5 p.m. before a lot of working people get off and could go vote. And this is the one that I think is creating the biggest fuss. It prohibits, it makes it a crime to give food or drink to voters waiting in line. Senator, why on earth, if, Amer if Americans are willing to wait in hours to vote, would you make it a crime for people to come and give them a bottle of water? Well, we uh, all I can say is that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I agree with you there. But uh, in Georgia, wait, wait. whoa, whoa, it doesn't make a lot of sense to you. Remind, remind me, uh, uh, who holds the most power amongst Republicans in that state? The name of which senator besides maybe Mitch McConnell? Uh, you. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Then call it out. Say this is not right. We should feed. We should. Uh, we should absolutely let people who are voting on both sides drink water and eat. Limiting ballot box is also very questionable. And it's just really. Uh, that's ridiculous. Okay. Then let's, you know, then get that message across to people in Georgia. I mean, I get that you're in South Carolina, but that's, what is that, like one state over? It's right there. I'm not great with geography. But seriously, come on. Let's, what else did he say here? You had an explosion of mail-in balloting. The okay. Carter-Baker uh, Commission in 2005 okay. looked at our election system that they had two warnings for us. Absentee mail voting is ripe for fraud and oh, ballot God. harvesting where an individual oh, can collect on. ballots on behalf of other people a is a threat to democracy as we know it. Both of those provisions are in H.R. 1. That's not what we talked about. Okay, fine. The, 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 the provisions, okay. So the question was this, this, and that. But you just completely changed the subject, all right? And you said, this is what this has, so you should go with this. Because, you know, we get rid of that. Listen, if all, if the only thing that the suppression laws had was this, was fighting against the, the, the terrible, the awful, the, the, the horrifying, this terrible, terribleness of absentee ballots, uh, well, will we be as outraged? No. But somewhere along the cracks, we have this. This absolute ridiculous thought that if we feed and provide water to people in line, then, oh, heavens to Betsy, we will be screwed, I'll tell you. What? Okay. Just, come on, Lindsay. Seriously, bro. I, I don't get it. And if that wasn't enough for you, the conversation moved on to AR-15s. So, yeah, uh, Chris Wallace had more to ask about Graham. Chris Wallace has a lot to ask here, which is <laughs> quite fitting. Uh, and this was about AR-15s and obviously in the wake of the recent shootings. Uh, Graham honestly took a stance here that I, I can't believe. What's wrong with a serious debate after all of these shootings about assault weapons, and especially about large capacity magazines, which a lot of studies show contribute to these mass killings. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong about debates. As a matter of fact, I would challenge uh, Senator Schumer to bring the assault weapons ban to the floor of the United States Senate. 
if there's a natural disaster uh, in South Carolina where the cops can't protect my neighborhood, my house will be the last one that the gang will come to because I can defend myself. Um, what? The ga- What gang? What? Remember that scene from The Outsiders where there's a natural disaster and they came running to your house? Wh- no. What? What, what, what? what are you talking about? Let's look at the recent national disasters going on here. What, in what point was there a outpouring of gangs attacking congressmen with no police in sight? I'm really not sure what he's talking about here. And also, even if your logic is somehow correct, which it's not, all right, why do you need an AR-15? Seriously. Uh, you don't have to have an AR-15. But Wait, wait, wait. Wait, what? Wait, what'd you just say? Uh, you don't have to have an AR-15, but... But then don't have an AR-15! That's the point! Okay, so you don't have to have an AR-15 to defend yourself is the entire point of this argument! So then why are you trying to save this AR-15? I, I... Okay, it's a good gun, whatever, fine. But if it's doing more harm than good, and we talked about this on Friday, but now Lindsey Graham is saying the same thing I'm saying. You don't have to have an AR-15 to defend yourself. Then, gosh darn it, get rid of it. It's not going to end the world. You can still defend your house from imaginary gains coming up in the wake of natural disasters. Oh, my goodness. What would ever happen to the lilies on my front lawn? I don't know what I'd ever do because I'm Lindsey Graham and I live alone. Seriously, man. What else does he say? If you have one lawfully, I think you should be allowed to keep it. Most of these problems have have a lot to do with mental health. Uh, Yep, divert. Divert to mental health. Like, uh, we're going to take this exit away from the tough question. Uh, Mental health, the easiest way to go. I'm not saying mental health is not a reason, but when you're coming out and saying you don't have to have an AR-15 to defend yourself, uh, and, and there's no way this is getting passed, even though, you know, it just—it's this is just disgusting. I'm sorry. I, even if you're a Republican who's pro-gun, I I totally get that. Listen, I mean, I used to do shooting myself in Boy Scouts. I found it very enjoyable hunting and all the such. I did. I was not as into that for a, as an extended period of time as some other people. But do you need an AR-15? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I don't have to be a gun enthusiast to say that. I have to like look at all of the events that have used AR-15s and say. What, maybe let's not have AR-15s legal. Let's get rid of them. Okay? That hard enough to make happen? I don't think so. So, Lindsey Graham, come on, man. And the mob and the, the gang in your neighborhood? Dude, like you don't live on a huge mansion. Please, get out of here with that. into sports i guess technically the deshaun watson story is sports but this one is for sure sports u.s men's soccer an embarrassment to this country considering every saturday when you drive around suburban neighborhoods in anti-covid times and non-covid times what's going on probably soccer soccer's everywhere in this country everywhere most popular recreations recreational sport for kids under the age of 12 and yet the u.s men's soccer team has missed the olympics Again, 
their longest drought of missing the Olympics in 50 years. That's right. They missed they missed out <laughs> in 2012. They missed out in 2016. And they've missed out for this next year. Oh, baby. The disappointment is real. U.S. men's soccer. More disappointing than Phil Collins' solo records. I'm telling you, it is absolutely ridiculous. Honduras beat the United States 2-1 in a winner-goes-to-Tokyo match to, to clinch a spot in the tournament. Uh, yeah. Uh, U.S. coach Jason Crace said it's a tragedy. Yeah, watching U.S. soccer the last 12 years is a tragedy. Listen, it's really disappointing because it's not like one of those sports stories where they get you, they, they, they depress you and you're expecting this. They get your hopes up, this team does. All right, twenty. right, let's go to the World Cup here. 2010, a shocker. Landon Donovan, they move on to the next round. They lose immediately, but they shock the world to, get, to even get there. All right, 2014, they make it out of the impossible first round, and they go on to they go on to the second round. They almost win an, an absolute shocker. And with stuff like this, you're getting you're getting hope. You're getting hope for this team, and you're thinking at the very least they can get to the Olympics. But no, through this roller coaster of coaches, through this absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous like thing you would like to call this ridiculous roster turnover. Okay, we're still the United States of America is still not making the Olympics, and Honduras is. I know we should not look at countries and sh- put shame on them just because of their size, their GDP, uh, wh- what world country they are, whatever. But we're the United States of America, one of the biggest countries in the world. By all accounts, one of the bigger ones. Best is up for contention, obviously, depending on what side of the political spectrum you are. But we have no excuse here. The amount of talent that has come out of this country, even in soccer, it, or, sorry, football. I'm, I'm going to call it football and soccer. Let's be fair. How many other countries call it soccer? You know, that might be our problem. That's our problem. We call it soccer. And beso- Unless you're in Canada, everybody calls it football. But no, we have our own football. And we're great at that. We're better at Honduras than that. We could have beat them 2-1. In American football. Ha ha ha! All right, when we come back, because we have to take a short break here, Deborah Burks, Dr. Deborah Burks, that is, well, she's coming out with a little report from CNN. It's actually the CNN report's coming up in a few days. But a little clip that came out talking about working with Donald Trump, pre- former President Donald Trump, uh, at the beginning of this pandemic. And she kind of explains why, you know, things could have been prevented early on. And we may have only had 150K debt instead of what? How many? 550K now? More on that right after this. You're listening to The Tark and Sorry Show. Wow. And it is pouring out here. Luckily, I just got inside here. Boy, it is nice. It's warm. Where am I, by the way? Let me look at the sign on the wall. Spin Cycle Records. Oh, I'm in a record store. That's really cool. And man, this place is nice. Looking around, there's... Oh, look at that! Oh my gosh, this album I've been looking for is Police. Forget it to Blanc. Oh man, I love that album. Great album. My gosh. Alright, what else is here? What else is here? Let me see. Hmm. Oh! 
Oh, look at that. <laughs> I've been looking for this one. MGMT. Little Dark Age. They have this one, too. Oh, good price, too. What else? Uh, oh, my. There's video games here, too? Oh, Fallout. I've been, I've been wanting to get that one. My gosh, there's everything at this place. There's more down there. Oh, my. It's a great place. Man, the vibe is so cool, too. Of course, again, I'm at Spin Cycle Records. In fact, if you want to be like me and be here, don't waste your time. Come right out right now because I'm telling you, Spin Cycle is one of the finest record stores in Seattle. A great atmosphere, great prices. And let's be fair, it's just a cool place to be on a rainy day because it is just awesome. Also, can I just say something about listening to music in a record store when it's raining outside? That is the perfect thing to be doing. It's absolutely the aesthetic for a hipster. If you do not do that, you are not a hipster. You are a fakester. That's right, a fakester. I made that up, but it's true. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 8 p.m. They're located at 321 Broadway East in Seattle, also known as Capitol Hill. It's actually right off of the light rail station, so you can just get out, go across the street, and you're there. Uh, masses are required, but I'm telling you what, it's a great experience. You can give them a call at 206-971-0267. Again, 206-971-0267. That's, of course, for Spin Cycle Records, Movies and Games. One of the finest record stores in town and a great place to go if you're in Capitol Hill or just in Seattle in general. All right, we're back on the show. Hope you're all enjoying yourselves on this Monday. If you want to follow me on Twitter, the handle is Tarik Ans, T-A-R-I-K. A N S and on Instagram it's T A R I K dot A N S. There's a little dot between the K and the A. It's the only difference between the Instagram and the Twitter. Why? Because I got them at different times. I am slow with technology compared, of course, to other what are we millennials? Gen X? What do we even call ourselves now? You know what we call ourselves? People. Because I don't associate with those like the boomers, the Gen X, the Gen Z. Screw that. All right. You've got boomers out there listening to Tame Impala, Gen X listening to, you know, Jack, I don't know, Jack Lee, what, what's a good example? Uh, Buddy Holly. Well, Buddy Holly's really good, though. So, to find an entire generation just based on, you know, traits, rumors, you know, preconceived coincidences, come on. We're all different and unique and cool, unless we're not, unless we're, you know, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, I'm about to get a lot of hate for Hayden on Lindsey Graham, but you know what? Screw it. I just, ugh, I'm sorry, but it just, <laughs> like a, a gang coming up to Lindsey Graham's house. Oh my goodness. Let's move on and do something that's, I don't know, more enjoyable than talking about Lindsey Graham. All right, Deborah Burks and COVID. Sounds like fun to me. Right, so Dr. Deborah Burks is someone that many of you did not know until March of last year when COVID started. She was one of the few that were uh, tasked with looking into this virus, along with Dr. Fauci, uh, Vice President Extraordinaire Mike Pence. <laughs> and uh, yeah, back then she seemed to have a very optimistic tone when talking about the outlook for the United States and this virus using several graphs, physical graphs, by the way. Which, by the way, I mean, a lot of people are hating on this. Those are underrated. I'm telling you, I like it when you can see what you're uh, what you're looking at as far as those numbers go. So, you know what? Yeah, I'm all for it. But 
recently Deborah Burks, who is now retired, has come out with a slightly more, shall we say, regretful tone? When it comes to her handling and Trump's handling of the virus, let's take a listen to what she said to CNN just a couple days ago. There were about 100,000 deaths that came from that original surge. All of the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially. Uh, whoa, that's a that's a big thing to say. Um, so yeah, she said, uh, she's saying basically, aside from the first COVID wave, which hit, let's be fair, every country. I know some of you are gonna say, well, it hit us worse. Okay, maybe, but it hit every single country in the world and in different ways. But everybody was affected by it because very few countries were ready for it. Even the ones that were, were hit pretty hard. So, basically, as a doctor, as, as a doctor, as the White House coronavirus response coordinator in the Trump administration, she described an uncomfortable call with Trump after an interview with CNN in August in which he discussed the threat posed by COVID-19. So fast forward my, five months later. So... She said, well, I think you've heard other conversations that people have posted within the pre- with the president, Burke said, as a part of a CNN documentary. I would say it was even more direct than what people have heard. It was very uncomfortable, very direct, and very difficult to hear. A very uncomfortable conversation. This is what Burke's is saying. Uh, so she's saying the Trump administration could have prevented hundreds of thousands of COVID deaths had it acted more forcefully to mitigate the pandemic. So, yeah, she's saying Trump didn't really take it as seriously as he should have. He began pushing for cities and states to reopen far before they should have. He also p- pitched unproven treatments. You all know what he, you all know what she's talking about, huh? You inject it. <laughs> inject the <laughs> Injecting certain substances into you will get, will make sure the COVID goes away. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Uh, he also questioned the need to wear face masks and face coverings. Uh, yeah, so basically, she's saying what we all kind of know, but the fact that she's saying it is the big deal here. We all know that Trump didn't take this very seriously. We all know that he could have done more here, all right? Even if you're a Trump supporter, you have to admit he could have done more here. Now, how much more he could have done is probably where you differ with other political groups but he did not do this terribly well all right the thing that gets me is why burks is saying this now as opposed to i don't know saying it when she was working with trump at the beginning of this like i get he's a president i totally understand that she's not in a great power to be able to go hey you're wrong i'm a doctor and you're not Although Dr. Trump does have a kind of a cool wrong ring to it, kind of like Dr. Mario or, you know, Dr. Robert, which is a great Beatles song, by the way. But D- Donald Trump is not a doctor. He's many things. That is not one of them. And it would have been very, it would have been very interesting to see if her challenge him, in all honesty, probably would not have gotten her anywhere. So maybe it was, wouldn't be for anything, but I don't know. I just feel like Deborah Burks, who does seem like a competent and decent person and a good doctor should have used the traits that she had and, you know, go, gone with her gut, which was that this was more serious than he was making it, and basically just 
do more than just sit idly by. And this is an opinion that is not uncommon. A lot of people are sharing the same opinion that Burks did not do enough. It's just, it's disappointing because talking about this now does really nothing. I mean, we're hopefully at the back end of this pandemic and it's taken its toll to the tune of 551,000 people dead as of today, March 29th. It's according to an NBC News tracker. So if you think that's fake news, go talk to them. I'm not going to have that conversation here. But yeah, saying it was a very uncomfortable conversation with Trump, I can only imagine. I can only imagine the things Trump said <laughs> to her about <laughs> about like uh, the, about COVID. Why can't we get it to go away? How do we get it to go away? <laughs> if he'd actually listened to how we can get it to go away, it would have maybe not gone away, but it would have been much better. But he was thinking economically over anything else. And sometimes it does you well. And sometimes it does this. It kills more people. I'm not directly blaming Trump here. The virus is to blame for all this. I get that. But let's let's be honest. We all knew we all knew Trump was doing this. The fact that Burke says it is a little surprising. The fact that Burke says it now is a little disappointing. If she has said this early on, caused a stir, maybe we get more done. But no. Nope. It's uh it's it's a bit late now for that. A lot of people dead. Over half a million. Not good. I would even go as far as to say terrible. But Burks is retired now, and uh, yeah, just, you know, when we get to 2024, do you think about this a little bit when you consider Trump running again? You know, are we we going to vote for that guy again? Do we, do we really want to? We see the best leader in a crisis? Like, we weren't in a war or anything, I get that, but this was kind of a war against a certain virus, and he did not pass the flying colors, and I'll be honest. And listen... I'm not all left. I'm not all right. I try to stay in the middle of a lot of things. I lean a little left on certain issues nowadays because I get a little emotional. I'm so emotional. But the fact is, if you really want to vote for him after this, I, oh boy, I, I think you gotta, you gotta get a better candidate. Come on. Whew. Well, that's the end of that story. Because I'm tired of talking about people dying from COVID and doctors. So, one more story when we come back. This is the Tarkin Sorry Show. Wow. Back at a baseball game. Right now I'm at T-Mobile Park, home of the Seattle Mariners. And... I have not been to a game since October of 2019. It is exciting to be here right now as a little fly ball in the center field there. And that's going to be an easy play. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, anyway, I'm doing, an, I'm doing a commercial here. I'm not going to tell you about a baseball game, but I will tell you this. The Mariners are back, which means you can get tickets for them. That's right. No more cutouts. No more watching the TV and hoping, oh, I wish I was there to cheer that on. No, you can go watch them right now. That's right. Right now, when the Mariners are playing at T-Mobile Park, you can get tickets. They're open to the first 9,000 fans that get them each game and get tickets for all your favorite Mariners games. They've got games coming up against the Dodgers, against the A's, the hated Astros. You can finally hate the Astros. That's right. No more excuses. You can go get your tickets right now. Mariners.com slash tickets. Get them today. 
back on the show, everyone. That is down in the park by Gary Newman slash Tupoli Army. They were called both things back in the day. Great song, though. So you all might be noticing one thing the pandemic has caused throughout the world is somewhat of a mass exodus. Now, what do I mean by that? That's right. We got some uh, atmospheric music. Yes! I can hear you going, what are you playing? What is this? This is not fun or interesting. This is just... Wait, hold on. Oh, this is actually interesting. This is fun. Very happy. Because we've had such awful stories today about negativity, lack of success, and disappointment that I need to get you back in like a good mood because we're about to talk about people moving out of cities, which is not a negative subject. It's more of just, you know, ooh, wow, numbers. Uh, Yeah, that's my Yoda. Anyway, (laughs) Bloomberg Wealth, from Yoda to Bloomberg. How about that? That is some kind of transition. Uh, They put out a thing a few months ago. They put out a little report on where people are moving to during COVID because, let's be honest, there's been a lot of turnover as far as a place we call home during this virus. I know personally, I when I, this whole thing started, I was in Sacramento. And right now, I am in Seattle. I actually kind of went the opposite. <laughs> I went I went the other way around, you know. I, I feel like Seattle isn't a city that's been ganging a lot, but this says otherwise, actually. So this made me wonder, what are some of the biggest cities... Like, what are the biggest cities and gains as far as, like, how many people are moving to these big cities? And what are the biggest losing cities? Like, cities that are losing a ton of people because of their cost, because they they have no reason to be in there, because uh, the, the offices are obviously closing and it's all virtual. That is somewhat changing now, but virtual is probably going to be around more than ever, even after COVID. So what cities are doing well? What cities are gaining the most? Well, number one, Austin, Texas. Now this, I can see very easily. Austin is one of the most affordable cities, affordable big cities to live in. Uh, has a, a lot going for it in its music scene and e- even like virtually. And uh, it, it generally is starting to pop up as one of the better cities to move to for young people throughout the country, m- mostly because of its cost. But it's also a nice city. Very, very nice city. A lot of great history too. Phoenix is number two. This one surprised me a little bit. Have you ever spent a summer in Phoenix? I haven't. I have no plans on doing so either. A spring, a fall, different story. But Phoenix is very warm. Uh, It's not terribly expensive to live in. Cost of living rank is 77. Sorry, 76 in the nation. Austin is 77, by the way. Uh, It just, it tends to be, I mean, if you're a big desert person, it's perfect for you to go to. Uh, Tampa, Florida is right after that. Uh, along with Nashville, Jacksonville, uh, you know, three southern cities that are pretty good. You know, and the list goes on. Charlotte, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas, Denver, Colorado, Charleston, South Carolina. And then one that shocks me, just completely shocks me, Seattle, Washington. (laughs) Seattle, Washington is number 10 and one of the top in the top cities gaining during this inflow and outflow because of this pandemic. I cannot believe that. I mean, obviously, I, I get that they did the research. The sources are from LinkedIn, the Council for Community and Economic Research, so they, they have their sources. But Seattle? Really? 
I mean, man, I get there's urban areas in this city, but gosh, I mean, if you've ever been down to Pioneer Square, or even Pike's Market, on a weekday, three years ago that place is packed. I don't care if it's a Monday or a Saturday. Now, it is bare bones. Maybe if you're there Sunday at two o'clock, it's a little busy. A little, some tourists here or there from, from outside the state occasionally. But oh, not even close. I highly doubt that we have gained more. And that we're one of the top gainers, let alone. Uh, but hey, that's what it says. That's what it says, you know. Uh, other cities that were mentioned as far as losers. Number one, I honestly thought number one would be the San Francisco Bay Area. All the stories of people moving away. Friends of mine that have moved away. No, Hartford, Connecticut. Who? What? Yeah, Hartford, Connecticut. People are moving away from Hartford. What's against them? I don't really know anything about Hartford. Maybe it was hard to live there. Okay, that was stupid. Never mind. Moving on. New York City is number two. Not surprising. Not surprising. Number three is the Bay Area and San Francisco. They kind of combined it. Number four, Chicago. Number five, Cleveland. You've got Boston, Detroit, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. So that's eh, just not, not huge shockers. Big cities that are expensive to live in, maybe with the exception of Cincinnati, because who wants to live in Cincinnati? Yeah, uh, this is a little surprising, though, on the top cities gaining, though. I really, I didn't see Hawaii on here. I didn't see Honolulu, <clears throat> Honolulu, which I've heard many reports about being one of the biggest, biggest spots for, you know, deserters of these huge cities. You know, with its, the fact that it's Hawaii might be a reason. But yeah, in general, a lot of people this last year just moved out to greener pastures, literally, to suburban areas, to even beyond that, rural areas got a lot of inflow. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tarkin Sorry Show. We're going to be back with you on Friday to talk about more news. But until then, have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.